Hello and welcome to the 10th episode of iPhone Life Podcast. I'm David Averbach, CEO and publisher of iPhone Life Magazine. I'm Sarah Kingsbury, senior web editor of iPhoneLife.com. And I'm Donna Cleveland, editor-in-chief of iPhone Life Magazine. We've got a great show for you today. Uh, we're going to talk about the Steve Jobs movie. We had a company outing to it to go watch it. So we're going to talk about how it, whether, how it reflected Apple, how it reflected Steve Jobs. Uh, get into that. We also got some fun news. Apple TV came out, uh, some Facebook using Android, uh, drone news, and we're going to talk about our favorite apps. The format of this show is we're going to start by reading a few insiders questions, reading news, getting into apps and gear, and we get into the main theme at the end. So don't be confused and stay with us. Uh, Before we get started though, I wanna take a minute to tell you about iPhone Life Tip of the Day. It's a free email tip of the day. Uh, We send it out every day and we teach you something cool that you didn't know you could do with your phone. Great ways to save time, get more done by using your iPhone. So go to iphonelife.com slash daily tip to subscribe. Uh, Donna, what was your favorite tip from this week? My favorite tip had to do with Apple Pay this week. Um, I Apple Pay is rolling out in more and more stores, but still you don't always know where you're going to be able to use your phone to pay for things or your Apple Watch. Um, so now in the mail app, you can... Check your destination. I think you mean the Maps app. Oh. <laughs> sorry. sorry. <laughs> Edited. Uh, I just didn't want a whole bunch of confused listeners being like, what? Yeah. Because Sarah is the one that has to get the emails from that. <laughs> okay, yeah, self-interest. <laughs> sorry, guys. So in the Maps app, when you are getting directions somewhere, if you tap on the name of the location, you'll see if you scroll down whether or not that establishment accepts Apple Pay. So that's also nice if you're planning to go somewhere and you just want to bring your Apple Watch and nothing else, you'll know ahead of time whether you'll be able to pay for things that way. It's also handy because if you open up the app map and, sorry, nobody can say the Maps app today apparently. If you open up Maps and tap on the search bar, you'll see options for things like food or gas and you can tap on that and you'll see a whole list of say restaurants or gas stations. And if you, you can then just tap on each of them and see which one you can use Apple Pay with, and if that's a factor in where you want to go, then you it's an easy way to figure out where you're going to go eat or buy gas. What's been you guys' impression of Apple Pay so far? Are you guys a fan? I mean, I've enjoyed using it, but I guess I haven't gotten into the habit. I think mostly because of, like I said, the card I use the most. I've, I was telling David this the other day, the credit card I use the most is not connected to Apple Pay yet. And once that happens... I'm really looking forward to using it all the time. It's fun and really convenient. I've had a weird thing. The main time I want to use it is with my Apple Watch. It's really nice just that the device on my wrist I can just use and not think about. But um, I've had it happen a couple times where it rejects it the first time. It says declined. And then like I've had to use Awkward. it again. So it kind of takes away the convenience of it. And there's mm. still, I guess, that little bit of stigma when your card gets declined. You're like, oh, that's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> I I love it so far. I mean, whenever I use it, it, it is like significantly more convenient than paying by credit card. I, like it, I, it's yeah. embarrassing to admit how much more convenient it is because like taking a wallet out of your pocket and using a card isn't that bad, but it's mm-hmm. really nice just to like, to, we, I have an Apple Watch, so tap your wrist against the, uh, the processor. Uh, but that being said, I don't, even though I love it, I don't think that I would actually go out of my way to, to go to a place based on whether or not they had Apple Pay. Would you guys? No. <laughs> Sometimes I don't have my purse with me because I'm the kind of person who forgets her purse. So <laughs> it would be handy to actually be able to buy stuff. Well, a cool thing is just to know in your town, like you don't really need to keep on checking, but just to know what stores accept Apple Pay. Mm. And I used MasterCard Nearby, which is an app that shows you all of the wireless readers in your area. And mm-hmm. so that was a fast way just to see on a map all the places in Fairfield where a, we are. It's a very buggy app. So it. This is a nice kind of workaround. You don't have to use a third-party app that's not as reliable. That's a, that's a good point, though. I don't know that I would necessarily choose a restaurant, but I would certainly like to know places nearby where I live and where I frequent regularly that take it because it is nice when you can pay by Apple Pay. 
Yeah, it is. I, I also feel like in the future that'll be really nice because right now there's not enough places where I would ever leave my house without my wallet. But in the future, if enough places use Apple Pay, I mean, I feel like it's only a matter of time before you can actually just not even carry a wallet. Yeah, I mean, I do like Apple Pay, but I think it's once it reach, reaches that adoption point where you can just count on it, that's yeah. when that's when yeah. it'll be really awesome. Yeah, I agree. exactly. And actually, Iowa, where we live, is the first state. I think you you wrote about this in the magazine, Donna. It's the first state they're testing out letting you have your driver's license on your phone. Ooh, I'm excited about that. Yeah, I, I've read about this, and I don't know if it's happening yet. I, I don't have mine on my phone, but that's one more thing. It's like then that's another thing you use for your wallet for that soon it would be nice to be able to use your phone for. Yeah, that would be cool. It wasn't, I don't think it was me who wrote about that though, actually, because I didn't know about it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I don't know. I could have sworn it was in the magazine. Was it? Because, yeah, I don't remember it either. I don't know. Maybe I'm making this whole thing up. (laughs) Well, we'll Well, post about it on iphonelife.com slash podcast after this. We'll get to the bottom of it. Good call, good call. Yeah, I need to know. (laughs) And if you are still angry at Donna about saying mail instead of maps, email us at podcast at iphonelife.com. <laughs> or if you have anything else you'd like to tell us. Something more productive would be would be preferable. Yeah, thanks, David. Speaking of emails, we got an email from our favorite iPhone Life insider, Dave. Uh, and last week, in case you didn't catch it, we talked about fitness trackers. Uh, Donna wore three fitness trackers around the office and uh, tracked all of her measurables and, and talked about it. Um, so Dave, who wrote an ebook called How to Think and Lose Weight, uh, sent us an email and said, fitness trackers are fun and give us limited fitness information, but they really aren't the key to maintaining our ideal weight over our lifetime. I have discovered the key is to learn to think like the people think who control their weight, uh, and then we will enjoy our ideal weight over our healthy lifetime. So this is similar to what we were talking about in terms of I think both of us felt that uh, fitness trackers don't necessarily aren't necessarily the mm-hmm. most important factor for losing weight, but are more important for just like a healthy life. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah, you weren't here for the fitness tracker debate. Uh, do you care to weigh in? Because I know you're an avid fitness tracker. Um, that's pretty much the main reason I put my Apple Watch on every day. Not because I'm particularly fit, but just because. It's just kind of inspiring to see those circles fill up and and it, it does I do move more since I got my Apple Watch, but I don't actually care about the specific numbers mm-hmm. because I mean I guess maybe I have the same conclusion as you guys. I haven't listened to the podcast yet. Ooh. I know. Uh oh. Well, we talked about last week how the studies show that fitness tracking is much more about health than actually losing weight because the more active you are, the healthier you are, but studies show that it doesn't make you lose weight. But I did, I went back and looked at the studies and it doesn't, it hasn't been proven to be an intervention for obese, obese adults to, to be more active. But I, so it's not exactly an across the board study that shows that it, like that combined with diet wouldn't help you lose weight. Certainly everybody should exercise. Like it's yeah. definitely part of a healthy lifestyle. I I can't imagine that there's a lot of doctors out there who are disagreeing with that. So it seems like, and I think all three of us have had the experience that we don't necessarily like avidly track our measurables on our Apple Watch, but all of us have been more active since getting our Apple Watch, correct? Yes, definitely. definitely. I feel like I've I understand, like when I first got my Apple Watch, I had no idea that 10,000 steps is what you should aim for. Um, I mean, some people say 7,500, some people say 10,000, but I just like had no idea what that Mm -hmm. would even look like. And once you've used a fitness tracker for a while, you have more of an idea of what you need to do in a day in order to hit those targets. Yeah, when we were, I, I went to Chicago recently and a few friends of ours were a few friends of mine were walking around Chicago and we all just for fun guessed how many steps we would take that day. Mm. And I was the only one that had a fitness tracker. And so like I had to explain to them how many steps would be a normal amount, how many steps would be a lot. It made me realize how much more aware I was of my activity levels throughout mm-hmm. the day than people who didn't have a fitness tracker. Would you say that like step tracking is actually your favorite, most paid attention to part of having an Apple Watch? 
no, I, I think I kind of look at the circles in general. So all of it combined. Uh, one of the things I really like though, actually, is while I'm exercising, having my heart rate open and just kind of taking a look and seeing where I'm at, especially if I'm running where it's like, I can slow down or speed up depending on my heart rate. So I really like the heart rate monitor as well. What about you guys? For me, something that I'm a bit of a hypochondriac, and so <laughs> I I got really freaked out when I the studies came out. They say sitting is the new smoking. So even mm. though a lot of people would think the stand reminders are kind of a tacked on feature, I really like being reminded to get up and walk around once every hour um, because since I do so much work at the computer, mm. it's nice to it's nice to be reminded to move. So. I don't get heart disease later. <laughs> in theory, I like it, but it usually, my watch usually tells me to stand like right when I've sat down after standing for like most of the hour. So I don't know what's up with that, but it's really annoying. That is annoying. I was actually more excited about that feature in theory than I was in practice only because I was happy to find out that I generally stand up at least once an hour. And once I figure that out, it stopped being a useful feature to me because it's yeah, like, okay, yeah, I'm true. hitting my goals, so I'm good. Yeah, it's yeah. not like you can measure how much of I w if I could measure how much of each hour I stood, I think I would like that more. But it's, that's true. I've had that thought as well. Like standing up for a minute every hour is totally different than moving around for a half hour out of every hour. You yeah, know? like if I'm on my feet all day doing some project around the house and I still get the same number of stands that I get, you know, when I'm at the office and I get up and visit the water cooler, you know, it's like yeah. Okay, well, I'm glad Sarah got to weigh in on our fitness debate. <laughs> if you want more of interesting fitness like, talk. Gee, I wish I knew what Sarah thought. Yeah, about yeah everybody last week was pretty heartbroken. <laughs> we got lots of emails. <laughs> um, but let's move right along. Uh, we have every week we like to feature insider questions. Uh, if you haven't checked out uh, iPhone Life Insider, go check it out, iphonelife.com slash insider. It's our premium subscription. With the Insider, you get a daily video tip. So every day we send you a video tip teaching you how to get more out of your iPhone. We have in-depth guides teaching you how to get more out of your iPhone. We have a digital subscription to the magazine. And most importantly for this podcast, you can email us questions and we'll answer them. Uh, so iphonelife.com slash insider and go check that out. Sarah, what were some of your favorite questions this week? Well, first is one that we get a fair amount. Uh, I didn't print out, I'm not going to read the, the emails, but Basically, one of our insiders wrote in and was asking what happened to all of his magazines, like where's the magazine mm -hmm. app, because Newsstand became news with iOS 9, and so all of those magazines that you had went somewhere else. So hold on. You, when you're saying Newsstand became news, what, what happened exactly? Um, basically, Apple ripped off Flipboard and created <laughs> like a- I hope you're a, not listening. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's similar to Flipboard. They took a lot of, you know, from similar sort of apps that sort of aggregate your news in one place and let you follow certain types of news mm -hmm. or publications. They decided to also do that because I think that's a really popular way for people to follow the news. Mm -hmm. And and probably that's more useful for people than Newsstand, which is basically sort of a digital shelf to keep your magazines on. But then if you have digital subscriptions to magazines, you're you know, you might be wondering, where did all my magazines go? Um, so they've actually just been put in a folder, and you can just flip, you know, swipe through your home screens, and you'll see it. And if you still can't find it, um, you can either just swipe down from the center of your home screen to open up Spotlight Search, or swipe to the right from your first home screen and then just type in the names of your magazines and then you'll find, you know, you can just open them or find the folder, find the name of the folder. Mm -hmm. So they're still there. They're yes. there. And it used to be that there was an app called Newsstand app. And when you opened it, your magazines would be in there. And now every magazine is its own app. So it's still there. It's just a standalone app, which is nice because then you don't have to kind of have it hidden with all your other magazines. Let's say you like reading iPhone Life magazine every week. You can have I mean, it on your doesn't? home screen. Everybody does. So exactly. you can now have it on your home screen. Uh, and 
in, in particular, that folder was when you upgrade to iOS 9, it was put in the back of your app. So if you swipe all the way to the back to about where you were when you downloaded iOS 9, if you download a bunch of more apps, they've obviously, it's no longer at the end, but it should be somewhere near the end. It was called, it's either called News Standard Magazines, and all of your standalone apps that used to be magazines and newsstands should be there. Are you guys happy about this change? Because I, I really didn't like the way newsstand was set up before, personally. Yeah, I, I, I think we talked about this in a podcast a while back. In general, I never used the newsstand app that much other than to read a few magazines. So I'm perfectly happy to have those magazines be standalone apps. And also, it was confusing in the app store. It was like kind of had its own app store. Yeah, that was weird. And so I, I think overall, it's a positive change for publishers. It's a positive change for users. Uh, so I think Apple did the right thing with all yeah. of that. Yeah, I agree. I don't know that I ever even opened the newsstand app because I don't do, I don't have digital magazine subscriptions. Yeah, and I, I will say that our magazine digital subscriptions have gone up since then. So I think people are looking for magazines more, not less, now that newsstand's gone away, which is nice. Interesting. And actually, this is my cue to tell you about iPhone Life magazine. Uh, you can go to iphonelife.com app to download iPhone Life magazine. And every issue is full of tips, tricks, best apps, great gear. Uh, we also have a print magazine. So you can go to iphonelife.com subscribe to get the print magazine. Okay, Sarah, question number two. Okay, well, another reader is having a problem with his Kindle app and iBooks, actually, I guess he has a lot of unread books, and basically all of his read books and all of his unread books are all just in one long list in his library. Um, I think in iBooks that would be under My Books, and I think in the Kindle app that would be All Items. I think that's what it's called. Sarah is, I think, our most voracious reader in the office. <laughs> it, it might be an addiction. Do you prefer, yeah. side note, do you prefer Kindle or iBooks? I prefer Kindle for the reading experience, but in terms of ease of like hiding my books from my children, like, <laughs> I prefer iBooks. Like Kindle is very not sort of friendly to parental control, I've found. So you read your romantic books in iBooks and your nonfiction books in Kindle? Is that how that works? <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey is in iBooks, everything else in Kindle. Fifty Shades of Grey is in the trash, David. Okay, sure. <laughs> and that's another thing is you can like hide books in iBooks. So if you never ever want to see a book again and forget that you even own it, you can hide it. And that's awesome. Hmm. Because Kindle won't ever let you forget that you made the mistake of buying that book. <laughs> um, Anyway, so my solution for the reader, because there's really not a great way to sort books. Like, I don't know why you can't sort between books that have been read and books that haven't, but neither app has that possibility. But what you can do is create collections. And if you create a collection that you just call, like, red, and a collection that not read the color, but read, like, books you've read, <laughs> and unread, then you can, just as soon as you download a book put it in the unread folder collection, and when you're finished, it's really simple to move it to a read collection. And this is uh, in iBooks you're talking about or in Kindle? You can do it in both. It's both a have a collections feature. It's a slightly different method of doing it. Basically, um, I think in iBooks you would, um, if you're looking in the My Books view, you would tap uh, select in the upper right corner and then select the books you want to move to your collection and then tap move and one of the options will be to create a new collection and and you can so you can and then you'll stay on that page after you create it and add your books and then you can create the second collection the red books and then it's easy to move them back and forth um, following the same process of moving them and then in the kindle app um, you basically go to the little side menu you know when you tap those three bars at the top left of your screen um, and you open up that sort of menu of different things, and under there is collections, and then it's pretty simple to figure out how to create a new collection. I think you just tap something like create a new collection, and then you can go ahead and add books, and then you can tap, like press firmly on the title of a book, and then it'll give you options to add it to a collection or, or remove it. So 
It's pretty basic, but if you don't understand, you can email us at podcast at iphonelife.com and I'll explain it a little better. That's cool. That sounds like a really good workaround. I'm excited to do it with my own books. I think it's probably a source of frustration for anyone who owns more than a few books on either of those apps. Oh, so this wasn't something you were doing. This is something they asked the question and you researched it and now now you're going to do it for yourself. I pretty much just read the books. I just keep any books I haven't read. I just keep them on my on my app, on my phone. But there are some books that I never got around to reading. I just don't think I ever will. <laughs> so put them in the I'm never going to read it folder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Um, so once again, iphonelife.com slash insider to sign up so you can email us your questions. Uh, we've got some interesting news. Apple TV was available for pre-order. Um, I think... Donna, you talked about last time you were thinking about pre-ordering. Have you actually ordered it yet? No, I haven't pre-ordered. I mean, I have not ordered the Apple TV yet, but I plan to get it in time for the holidays. Uh, I'm thinking to buy one for my husband and also probably for my dad, but it's one of those presents <laughs> that will be also for myself. Yeah, so buy, one for, buy one for your husband so that yeah. you can also enjoy it. <laughs> so you get like the points for getting a good gift and also get to enjoy it. Yeah, it's the perfect <laughs> gift. Yeah. And good Sarah, how, how about you? Did you Have you purchased one? Oh, no, you said you're waiting for me to buy it so I can tell you if it's good. Yeah, I'm basically, I just want to know what you think. I've been reading a lot of the early reviews and... I don't know. It it sounds really unfinished. Like everyone really? was pretty positive about it, but yeah. But but they also seem to say like they were mostly positive about the potential. Hmm. Really, I think the series search has been pretty impressive so far. Um, I think the main thing that is really annoying is that it doesn't include Amazon, which is only expected to be producing more movies and TV yeah, shows that you, people want to watch. You can't search the App Store with Siri, which means you have to like use the remote to type things in, especially yeah. because you can't use the remote app on your iPhone to do it, which might actually give you a keyboard. You, it's not compatible with the latest version of yeah, Apple that's TV. So I, I, you were just telling me that. That's so weird. So you can't use your app on your phone to navigate the new Apple TV? No, I don't know if that's a temporary thing. I mean, all of the things that the reviewers were mentioning as things they didn't like or were bugs, or apparently Apple has said, oh, that's coming. Or, mm-hmm. But then it's like, it's so unfinished. It seems a little bit unlike Apple. To It's so unfinished. I, that surprises me only in that the other Apple TV, the original Apple TV, or the latest version before this one, was pretty polished. I mean, Apple TV has been around a long time, so this is an update. I mean, it seems like I would imagine the overall user experience is still going to be pretty polished because they didn't even change it that much. Just maybe some of the new features that they released haven't been as fully featured as they will be. Does that sound I like mean, what yeah, you're hearing? I feel like, like for instance, the universal search, it works for Showtime, HBO, iTunes, and Netflix, Hulu. and Hulu, but it won't search YouTube, mm. you know, and it doesn't, apparently there's no sort of universal like recently watched. You have to go into each app and sort of mm. see what you've recently watched. And apparently if you're signing into apps that are related to your cable provider, you have to sign into your cable provider in each one. Rather than have a universal yeah. cable provider. Yeah, sounds like there's room for improvement. Yeah, it does. But I think uh, the, the ability to, search, to search by the movie title, cast, director, age, and even the rating of the movie, those are all things that are, that are pretty cool. It definitely seems like a big step forward, and I already love my Apple TV. So. I, me too. So I'm actually kind of... planning to get one. I just don't feel like in a rush. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's why I don't feel in a rush either. Since I since I have an Apple TV already that I like, it'll just be a nice thing to look forward to. But it's not like it's not urgent. Yeah, I guess th- that was the only reason why I haven't felt too much in a rush as well. It's not that I'm worried that it won't be fully featured enough. Mm. It's that I love the one I have, and so I'm not like, oh my god, I need a better one right away. Uh, but I did actually pre-order today. Oh. I don't even know if it's technically pre-ordering anymore, but yeah, I will I get it on, I think, Thursday or Friday. So next podcast, Ooh, exciting. I'll let you know. One thing I was worried about is you can only have one Siri remote uh, connected at a time. And so I was wondering how multiplayer games would work. Yeah. But apparently you can have up to two gaming controllers. So they have separate things called yeah. gaming controllers? Well, Bluetooth controllers. Anybody oh, who makes like a, okay. like a third-party okay. iOS-compatible cool. Bluetooth game controller. Yeah. But only two. 
Only two. I'll be really curious to see how the gaming experience is, whether it it's like feels like gaming on the iPhone or feels like gaming on the Xbox. You know I what I mean? It, I doubt it will feel like gaming on the F- Xbox. It'll probably be slightly better than the iPhone, but it's definitely not going to be console. Yeah, quality. I mean, I, what I'm hoping for is it feels like gaming on the Wii, like something that's fun, much more immersive than an iPhone, but certainly I agree there's no way you can make it similar to an Xbox. So when you get your controllers, are we going to do like a Just Dance for Dance Off? Clearly. (laughs) (laughs) I think we better. I mean, we saw a preview of Sarah's dance moves over Halloween weekend. Oh, as an update. We do not need to speak about that. (laughs) As an update, I found a good use for my live GIF app from the previous (laughs) podcast. Do we have to talk about this? Yeah, I think we have to talk about this, Sarah. (laughs) So we were talking about live photos uh, a, a couple podcasts ago. I tried an app called Live GIF. I was complaining that I wasn't finding good uses for it. Well, a lot of us went out on Halloween, and it turns out when you're taking photos on Halloween, turning them into GIFs is amazing. amazing. (laughs) And actually, live photo was amazing, too. It made me appreciate live photo a lot more, because every photo I took, if I went and I watched the live photo, it was like a few second clips of like... You know, we, there's large groups of people. We were all out and about, and it was like everything. There was a lot of entertaining moments in there, so it made me appreciate live photo <laughs> so much that you were sending gifts at like 8 a.m. on Sunday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I may not have forgiven you for that one yet. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> I think I think everybody else in that group text message was appreciative, though. <laughs> the problem was it was like a group text, so there were like so many notifications, and for some reason my phone wasn't muted. Well, that that was your problem. <laughs> you we had a whole conversation on the podcast about how your phone is on do not disturb in the mornings until 5 a.m oh yeah that's, that's true you did say that that's you did why say it that. needs to be customized yeah you need to be able to have separate weekend settings i agree but back to the apple tv one thing I <laughs> thank you donna for getting this podcast back on track one thing i wanted to mention is that i'm i'm kind of curious if the whole the whole app store on the Apple TV is going to be something I'll end up being excited about because that I feel like Tim Cook really played that up, that it's the future of TV, but that's kind of the thing I'm the least excited about. Like, I don't need my TV to be another like iPad or iPhone, something like that, that mm-hmm. I can use all the same apps on, but it could be cool. I could end up surprising me and I might use it a lot, I guess. You know, I, one of the reviews I read, this guy was talking about reading comic books on his Apple TV, which is a very strange thing to do at at, at first, but then he was talking about there were like sound effects and there was like this whole sort of immersive interactive experience you wouldn't get even from, you know, like just reading it digitally, like just the Hmm. TV experience actually, like only I always think of reading as a very like introverted, like, you know, by yourself activity, but Mm -hmm. apparently doing it on your Apple TV can be awesome. I, I mean, I feel a little bit jaded because of the Apple Watch experience. Like, mm. when the Apple Watch came out, I was like, oh, people are going to find such cool ways to use it that we haven't even thought of yet, just like it's the iPhone. step tracker, yeah. David. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and, and I, I do use it for various things other than step tracking, like Apple Pay, like we discussed. But there's very few third-party apps that I use or like. And so I'm yeah. a little nervous about it because of that, um, whether or not there will be enough of them. That being said... I feel like there's a whole genre of uh, video apps that are going to be very useful. I mean, certainly, like we've talked about Hulu and uh, Amazon and all those that are already on there, although Amazon mm-hmm. was not, so I'm excited for that. But it feels like, you know, one example I thought of is like exercise apps or yoga apps. It's like on mm-hmm. your phone, it's not that cool, but if you can like access all your, you know, P90X or whatever through an app, that seems like... There's a lot of use cases that I could see apps being useful on the Apple TV. That's true. I think it's, at this point, potential, like all the reviews are saying. But a lot of potential. The exercise videos, I could see that being being pretty nice. Well, I'm just waiting for the Choose Your Own Adventure TV shows. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you may be waiting a long time. (laughs) You know what I read a lot of in second grade. Yeah. Um, The one thing about... What I was going to say that I forgot, now I don't remember, so I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> oh. Um, oh, I'm curious to find out how the cable providers handle it in terms of like, maybe not cable providers, but like TNT and ABC and NBC. Mm-hmm. 
they all have apps, uh, and it'll be interesting to see whether they, now that they can put those apps on, rather than being on the iPhone, being on the Apple TV, whether or not they end up supporting cable-free uh, TV watching, because that's, I think, the future of apps is being able to get the ABC app and subscribe to your favorite show there as opposed to mm-hmm. having Dish or cable or something like that. I'm just so excited about this because I'm pretty sure we've talked about it before, but I like the idea of like a la carte TV. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, there's so many channels I just never watch that I'm paying for and I just want, I just want like four or five. Although I would much prefer being able to to pay one fee, be able to choose like 25 channels and then call it a day instead of having to get all the separate apps. Like $10 yeah, well, that's... to like 20 different yeah, apps. that's the problem with the apps is it has the potential to be very fragmented. Yeah. But we'll see. I think it will be. I mean, I mean at it this would point. be kind of nice if my cable provider offered basically an app that had certain channels available, but I just watched it through the Apple TV instead of... I think Dish does that now. Oh, probably. Sling. It's called Sling. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. And I actually have Dish. There you go. Now you can see. <laughs> I, tr- I can go weeks without watching TV. But they, so. they don't have all the channels that you'd want is their problem. Mm. All right. Let's move on to our next news point. You can see, unfortunately, we can talk about any of these things all day. <laughs> um, Facebook has announced that they are actually forcing people to start using Android phones. Apparently, they are having a problem that so many of their people were using iPhones that they weren't able to kind of uh, catch all the bugs and have a proper Android experience with Facebook because all their programmers were using iPhone. So Mm -hmm. I don't really know how to comment on that other than to gloat a little bit that it makes me feel like iPhone's better. (laughs) How do they decide which employee has to use android i don't know i was wondering that i'm assuming they have like an android team or something like that that must mm. be so demoralizing for them it's like how many of them here's the news guys you're all using yeah. android phones now how many of them do you think are going to cheat and go like privately have a personal iphone i know right because <laughs> I, I don't you know when i did android life magazine that special issue we did I really disliked my experience using the Android phone. I was so glad when I could go back to iPhone. Well, and I mean, this to me is what makes it interesting. It, it, to me, it, it's, it illustrates a trend that I've noticed, and I haven't seen enough research to know that it's true, but you hear a lot about iOS and Android, especially in the U.S., and being 50-50 or Android's a little bit ahead, and I feel like it's a misleading statistic because I feel like a lot of that division is actually between cheap phones and expensive phones because people who, you know, let's say you buy your kid a phone, you may want to save money and not buy them an iPhone. Uh, but I feel like amongst amongst people who buy expensive phones, that demographic, I see so many more people carrying around iPhones than like Samsung or anything like that. Well, actually, most of, um, most of my younger daughter's friends like middle schoolers, they're carrying around pretty late model iPhones because really? their parents pass them down to them. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. So, but I I don't know, and maybe maybe it's because I work at iPhone Life. I don't know. It's like I see the research of iPhone and Android being like fifty fifty, but I know almost nobody who who has Android. <laughs> You're like looking at me while you uh, say yeah. that. Uh, yeah, I actually wasn't, but that worked out. <laughs> Sarah's husband is is the is our token Android lover. <laughs> yeah, he's a fan. He doesn't just use Android phones. He's a fandroid. <laughs> I did not even know that was a term. I think it exists, but if it doesn't, it, it does now. There you go. Um, last news point: uh, drones. It, Donna, it sounds like they're trying to get people to register drones. Yeah, I just thought this was kind of interesting. Um, now, you know, at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, one of the big items is recreational drones that you can mm-hmm. control with your iPhone. And the U.S. Department of Transportation is working on new rules where recreational d- drone owners will have to register their devices. And so they've created a task force with the Federal Aviation Administration they're trying to come up with the rules by November 20th because they're, you know, projecting thousands All of sales. All the drones for the holidays. Of drones for the holidays. So really the main the main issue here is that pilots have reported seeing thousands of drones in 
in their way, basically. And if it gets caught in an engine or something like that, it could be really disastrous. Mm. So they're trying to make yeah. it safer. Um, and you just made me be in favor of registering them just <laughs> by saying that possibility. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit scary. Yet I also think... Well, I mean, but like... How many birds are there compared to drones? I mean, this is just yeah. a fact of life for air, yeah. air I mean, travel. It's kind of hard to wrap your head around because you feel like they're toys and someone's asking you to register your toy. Yeah, that's, in, I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, the bird comment actually convinced me. Because <laughs> uh, it's like the probability of a, of a plane hitting a bird seems so much higher than hitting a drone that it's like, are they, is that really why? Or are they just trying to regulate it for other reasons? Well, right now, the Federal Aviation Administration has guidelines that say that you're not supposed to fly your drones higher than 400 feet in the air or within five miles of an airport. Mm. And so this would just be a way to to enforce that. I see. But what I what one thing that isn't totally clear is that this will include all recreational drones. So I feel I like mean, if any of all you drone owners out there should look out for this because it might also be regulated by weight. Like I read one article that said that if your drone is over 20 pounds, then this will probably apply to you. And then other ones say it's going to apply to all I mean, it seems like, drones. I mean, because not all drones are even capable of going up 400 feet. 400 yeah. feet is like, you have to have a pretty uh, professional level drone, I would think, to be able to do and, that. And yeah. I, yeah, and at that point, maybe you should be registering it if it's... Yeah, you know, like a 20 pound drone. I mean, that can go over 400 feet. I yeah. think there's also some level of privacy concern with drones. I don't, like, I don't know about you yeah. guys, but it's a, because drones have the ability to gain vantage points that normally you can't mm. be gained. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about, I, I was told, I was t- talking about the problem we had when I was a teenage girl with a peeping Tom in my neighborhood. And, you know, he had to, like, climb onto our garage roof. God, I mean, like, think awful. about the effort, though, yeah, that's involved. Yeah. And, like, with a drone. It's a lot of barriers of entry, barriers to entry to be a peeping Tom like, in the old if, days. Like, so many, like, more opportunities for creepy people. Like, <laughs> God, exactly. That's true. There, there, like, there's some, uh, there is some reasons, I think, monitoring drones is good. Uh, flying them into airplanes seems low on my list, but I'm no expert, so I don't know. Yeah, it was in, when I saw the headline, I thought it might have to do with privacy, but really, at least what they're saying is that it's more about safety at this point. Fair enough. So okay. yeah, that's something to look out for. All right. So we have next on our list of things to talk about. We each tried out a new app or gear this week, and we're going to get into it. Uh, we are we have been talking a lot here, guys. So let's let's do a brief round about our favorite apps and gear from the week. Okay. Uh, my favorite gear this week is from Stack Ceramics. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sent me an iPhone mount to try out. I um, they have one that's a planter, so it has a, a little like stand for your iPhone, and then next to it a pot that you can put a succulent in. And they have that on Etsy and it was really beautiful. They don't have that ready for the iPhone 6 yet. So they sent me one instead that has a compartment for pens and pencils and then your phone on the front of it. And it's just like nice and classy looking. Lately I've been going on Etsy and falling in love with all the cool (laughs) stuff they have. Are you not worried about accidentally watering your iPhone? (laughs) (laughs) Well, really it's just once a month occurrence if it's a succulent. So I think I'm good. That's a good point. I'm just, (laughs) I had a like a disturbing incident in the kitchen at the office today where I picked up a thing of cream and tried to shake it, but the lid wasn't on. So I'm just thinking I'm totally the person who would water her iPhone. (laughs) When I I water the plants in my office, I like... Water gets everywhere, so that's probably not the right stand well, for me. Well, you have a bad plant waterer. It's not bad. It's shaped like an elephant. But <laughs> the snout is just not, like, the right shape. But that has nothing to do with the stand, which, for people who can water things without disaster, it sounds really cool. Yeah. I Basically, I just think... <laughs> I just think the iPhone docks don't sound that exciting, but if you do go and look on Etsy, you'll find a lot of cool ones. And Stack Ceramics, definitely in the style, it wins lots of points in my book. I've gotten really into docks recently, too, because it's like I have so many devices in my room, and it Mm. makes my room just like I I try to keep it tidy, but inherently when you have cords and things charging all the time, docks go a long way for that. I was just tidying up my nightstand and thinking like, that I needed to look into getting a dock and something to manage all the cords. Yeah. 
something for you to report on next week. Uh, the doc I've been using, this is not what I was going to report on. And I don't remember the name, so I won't tell you what it is. <laughs> I'll, I'll put a link to David. it. I know. Well, this is what I get for trying to improvise. Sarah, what, what, what app did you try this week? I was looking for an app that would be like really good for armchair traveling. Mm-hmm. And um, I found this one called Afar. And it's really cool because you can basically go to any location. It may not be the only app that does it, but it has like beautiful pictures of you can choose like any city or country. And it shows I'm, you... I'm going to Auckland, by the way. She just went to Auckland. Oh, there you go. Well, I have my internet turned off so oh. that no one can text me. So it's not <laughs> going to show us the beautiful pictures. But it will show you like the things you must see if you're only going to be there for three days or you know, like the best places to eat or the coolest places to do activities that are kind of unique to that area or the best museums. So it's really cool. It's a great way to kind of explore an area and get really good ideas or just kind of, like I said, armchair travel. So Now, uh, there are a lot of apps of that genre. What makes mm-hmm. this one particularly nice? The pictures are so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> For armchair traveling, that does sound very important. It's kind of the main point. Okay, so it's for kind of it's more for browsing and kind of enjoying the flavor of a city than like say Yelp or Travel or TripAdvisor, where you're like finding the best restaurant on the street corner when you're going to be there, sort of a thing. Yeah, it's it's kind of for planning ahead, and it, you know it does have maps, so you can view the locations in maps. But I, I don't think you would be using it while you were there. You would be using it to get ideas before you went there. Gotcha, gotcha. Hmm. Uh, so the app I tried was Slack. I cheated a little bit because we've been we've been all trying it around the office, and I, I stole it as my thing to review. So Slack is something. It's a tool for office communication. Um, I would imagine you could also use it for family communication or things like that. Uh, and we used to use Skype around the office, and basically we'd all have Skype, and we would all. Um, instant message each other throughout the day if we had different questions or whatnot. And Slack is just a much better tool for that, is what we're finding, or at least I'm feeling that way. Plus, there's the gifts. There's the gifts, which is exciting. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Sometimes unintentionally exciting. So basically how it works is you have different channels. So you can direct message somebody like you would in Skype where like you go and you message uh like let's say sarah get ready the podcast is about to happen something like that but you can also have channels based on themes so for example we have a channel for podcasts and throughout the week we'll post different news stories that we like to feature in the podcast uh we have a channel for marketing and we'll post marketing ideas in it so it's a way of kind of sorting all of your inner office communication and it kind of somewhere between like a Skype replacement and an email replacement where rather than having to always remember who to CC and people have to know whether or not to reply, it's already sorted for you. Uh, And why I'm bringing it up in this is they have a great app, which actually I've always hated the Skype app. It's like Mm. I'd get notifications three days later about something somebody said on on the Skype app. Um, So Slack has a really nice app. The GIF thing that we were talking about is it, it, it integrates with Giphy, which is fun. And that's another app I was actually going to review at some point. So spoiler alert, download the Giphy app. Um, what's fun about it is you type in a word and it will randomly select a GIF for you. But the algorithms you, need improvement. <laughs> no, they don't. They're perfect. <laughs> you, you type in forward slash Giphy and then a word. Exactly. So you say, you say Giphy, find a GIF with this word in it. And it randomly selects one. And sometimes they're perfect and sometimes they're <laughs> completely wrong. But it, 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 it was a lot random. of fun. You slash random. <laughs> David sent one to me that was so awkward that he like went in and had to delete it. <laughs> it was very embarrassing. So awkward we can't even discuss it in the podcast. It's not safe for work. We don't have the explicit rating. It was it was very... It actually makes it sound worse than it was. It wasn't yeah. particularly sexual. It was just gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in general, it's a good way to keep things entertaining. Yeah, we've yeah. had a lot of fun. We did a contest to see who could have the most what we would call awkward photo or just just the most interesting photo. So we profile all pics, profile yeah. pics, thanks. So we, we've ha- we've been having fun around it. I definitely recommend it for your office. Uh, also, I think it could be useful for families. What do you guys think? Could be. Depending yeah. on how much yeah. your family communicates. It, it could be interesting. One thing I like about it for um, communicating with your coworkers is it also lets you see all of the files that have been transferred between you mm. and a person or in a group. Mm-hmm. So sometimes someone will have sent me something a couple months ago and in Skype it would be hard to find. 
And here, it's just a lot easier yeah. to search and to find files. I just find I'm involved in so many group conversations and trying to keep track of that in, and it's often with the same people, it's just a different conversation. And kind of trying to keep track of that with Skype was really confusing. And sometimes I would Skype things to people in the wrong conversation. So having the channels is so useful. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what I, I like about it is like, Half of what I'm messaging people about is just kind of small, random thoughts I've had throughout the day of, oh, this would be cool if we did this someday. And then, like, the other half are things that are really important that I want to message for response right away. And so, like, being able to put the kind of each of my points in a a channel relevant to that, uh, it makes it a lot easier for me and for other people to kind of sort through and see the cool ideas when you have time, but respond right away to the important stuff. Mm. And to be fair, in Skype, you can create group messages and name them something. So you, it's it's kind of like a channel. But what, what ways do you think it's better? You can do that. But somehow Slack just seems much more conducive to that. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, you have to like go and invite. And so there's like a level of man- group management with Skype that yeah. isn't there with Slack. Like Slack, it's like you can, you can create private groups if you don't want people to be able to join, but inherently all your groups are public. So like so you can opt into our it. marketing yeah. channel, for example, we used to just talk about it amongst the executives who tend to handle most of the marketing, but now anybody can go view it. So like say Sarah had an idea for a marketing project to do and she went and posted in it. And so it, it, it gives you a little bit more management over who is in what. And like yeah. Sarah said, I sometimes would find I would end up posting in the wrong group slightly. Like you'd have two groups that were slightly the same, but a little bit different. And then some people you didn't want find, like, you know, you had different privacy levels on it. I don't know. Yeah, this is just better organized, I think. Yeah, the organization, and it it just seems like a little bit actually of a better app. Like yeah, it just works yeah. better. Less glitchy. Skype has lots of Exactly. Glitches. So check out the app. Uh, check it out for the office. We've been really liking it. Now to get into our main topic of the day, the Steve Jobs movie. Uh, let's start with on, uh, let's see, what do we do? Five-star rating? How many stars would you give it? Sarah. Jeez, I, I don't know. Three? I was going to say three and a half. half. Yeah. I was going to go three and a half, too. Okay. Mm, okay. We're all on the same page. All right. All right. So (laughs) we were all like, meh, pretty good, right? That's that's a three and a half star sound effect. It was so, it was well done enough that it's hard to give it anything lower than that. Yet I also didn't like fall in love with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the acting was great. Like Michael Fassbender and the lady whose name is completely for Kate Winslet. Thank you. Yeah, I love them both. Yeah, they're both really great. That, yeah, it was well directed. It was well. This I love Aaron Sorkin actually, which made me. It, I had mixed feelings about it because it was really well written, and Aaron Sorkin always right is a great writer. He's by the way, uh, he wrote The Newsroom, uh, West Wing, so what's Social, Social Network. Network. So he's he's very uh, popular and prolific writer. Um, so it was well written, but that being said, because he wrote it, I had very high expectations. I think the thing I didn't like the most was like, I don't know, the parts of his life that they chose to focus on. I thought it was, what did you think about the way they basically formatted it like a three-act play? Yeah, it was interesting. So by the way, in case you haven't noticed, there'll probably be some minor spoilers in here. I don't, I think it seems like it's a true story. So, well supposed to be a true story anyway yeah. based on Which a true story based on true story so it seems like spoilers is not that big of a deal but if you really don't want to find out about his life before you watch it maybe maybe skip ahead or something although although i was gonna say i feel like you should know about steve jobs life going into this movie because you're actually it's not the kind of movie where you're gonna go and learn everything about his life yeah because it's set in three scenes the uh-huh. half hour before a product announcement yeah. and so it's like they try to squeeze a lot into that time but if you're going there wanting just a nice overview of Steve Jobs' life and what he did, this isn't really going to give that to you. Yeah, you know, it, so much so that like they just kind of name drop characters left and right who you just really wouldn't even know who they are. Like mm-hmm. I, I've read both Steve Jobs, both of the most popular Steve Jobs biographies, so I was mostly keeping up. But even I was kind of struggling. And if you didn't, if you weren't familiar with him, like in his life and the key players at Next and like early days Apple, I would mm-hmm. imagine it was pretty tough. Yeah, that would be me. I, <laughs> I kind of, I actually like purposely avoid knowing anything about the personal lives of famous people mm. just because I feel Weird. like... Weird. What's that like? <laughs> <laughs> it's like 
then I don't have to read those crappy magazines in the grocery store checkout. <laughs> but, it, you know, it's like I feel like people deserve to have personal lives that, uh-huh. and they're nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also, I've, I'm, you know, confession time, I'm not that familiar with the early days of Apple. And really, I was like, Kate Winslet's Polish accent is right on. <laughs> I had a roommate who was Polish, and it was great. But... Yeah, that was the awesome. roommate and the accent. But um, <laughs> who the hell was she? Yeah, they never really gave her a context. They did a little bit, but not that, a lot. That's what bothered me. I mean, I like aesthetically, it was kind of cool the three act play, like the way you know. But I would much rather that that's a limitation movies don't have. There's a reason movies aren't done like that, and there's a reason plays are done like that because of the limitations yeah. of the different mediums and. And I feel like by choosing, in a, I mean, it's kind of a pretentious choice, really, choosing to do it that way, we lost out on a lot of that, like, background information that would have been really nice. I mean, yeah. see, I... It should I, have been a play. It should It would have... It's true. It would have been a better play <laughs> than a movie. I was saying I'm pretty sure that, like, our high school speech team will be performing it in the next <laughs> few years. Um, to me, that didn't bother me. I, like, there's so many biopics that happen now that are just kind of, like cheesy cliche like and then he accomplished that great thing uh, like i it was I, different i it didn't bother me that they yeah. chose to focus on like i and i was intriguing that they focused on so they what they did is they focused on the three uh it was half an hour before three different product launches yeah it was the launch of the original macintosh the launch of next, uh, next the next computer the uh, cube right the cube yeah. yeah and then the launch of the imac uh and so Which they did like finally the successful one. Yeah, so that just showed that was satisfying to see like his struggle and then how mm-hmm. he exactly. Uh, but what bothered me is it's the the major plot line in the whole movie was Jobs' relationship with his estranged daughter, and if you if you do follow if you but have were, read about were Jobs, they estranged in the end they weren't. I mean it was well rocky, maybe. Don't ruin it. <laughs> they were estranged in the beginning. I mean, in the beginning, and this was true, Jobs literally denied that she was uh, his daughter, despite DNA tests proving that he was. Well, at yeah. that point, they didn't have DNA okay, tests. They had paternity blood tests. tests. But it was, I mean, everybody seemed to be, uh, other than Steve Jobs, seemed to agree that, that she was his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, like when you when I read the Steve Jobs book, it was like the most awful part. It was in my, like from the book I read, from the books that I read, it was kind of felt to me like the worst thing that he did. And so to have yeah. to focus the whole movie on that hmm. bothered me. I mean, they, it, it, it seemed like it was featured as a defining choice of his. I mean, which it is I, kind of a yeah. defining choice. It is, but I, I do think you go into a movie like that wanting to learn I mean, what is it about Steve Jobs that made him so great and made him, like, why does he have such an impact? And, you know, there are a lot of, like, dads out there mm-hmm. who aren't great dads, and that's not really an original story, so well, I can exactly. see, like, that's not what makes him interesting. Yeah. It I, would have been nice to have, like, a more complete picture of his whole personality. Yeah, you know? and that that's a little bit... The two things that bothered me about it were, number one, like you are saying, Sarah... It wasn't a well-rounded, like he was an asshole in a lot of ways, but he was a great guy in a lot of ways, and they chose to only focus on like the most asshole thing that he did. Uh, and even in the end, I didn't feel like they gave it a lot of like redemption. Like you still mm-hmm. left thinking, God, he was such an asshole. Well, I mean, I feel like For part sure. of the problem is most of his family and a lot of his friends were not on board with this movie, which means... They couldn't really talk about the fact that at the time, you know, when we were seeing the last announcement, he was married, he had children, you know. They could still talk about it. I mean, it was based on a book where that was made very clear. And from what I've heard, Wozniacki was the one who was the most on board, and he helped a lot, and they kind of painted him as a bit of a schmuck. Yeah, I know. I was so... I kept The whole time I kept thinking, God, how was he consulted to this movie? Did not make him look good either. But he no. was so happy with the movie. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, One he, thing he I did, did make him... They did say many times it was a genius, which was nice. <laughs> One thing I heard was that when he wrote... When Walter Isaacson wrote Steve Jobs' biography, at the time, Lisa, Steve Jobs' daughter, at that time was not willing to talk. And that she felt more comfortable after Steve Jobs passed. Hmm. And so 
that actually that's like what like after talking to her that's when it became the central theme of the movie and so it might not be it might be more I mean, accurate than White Walter I feel like when you're talking about a story that spans decades and so many events you really do have to choose a focal point for the movie. I just think it's unfortunate that this was a focal and point. The, and that's the point I was making, and that that was my, my point number two from when I started with two points. Uh, <laughs> and it was similar to what you're saying, Donna. It's like, and I felt the same way. I read both of the Steve Jobs biographies, and I felt the same way about the first biography. They focused so much on the fact that he was an asshole. And like, at some point, you're like, I get it. He's an asshole. He did some not-so-nice things to people. Mm-hmm. But I, that's, not, that's not why I'm reading the book. I don't go out of my way to read books about assholes to, to read why they're assholes. I go out of my way to read books about geniuses to read why they're geniuses. Mm-hmm, and yeah. so I would have much rather had a movie that, and I didn't mind that they didn't cover the full spectrum of Steve Jobs, but why not cover the spectrum of what made him interesting, what made him an icon? Like, it wasn't because mm-hmm. he denied his, you know, that his daughter was his daughter. It's because... He, he was a genius. He was brilliant. He was a brilliant marketer. He created amazing products. And I would have rather focused on those things because that's that was what made him interesting to me. Yeah. And in the movie's defense, I do think that sometimes what makes someone a genius might be, like certain qualities might make you both an asshole and a genius. Mm-hmm. And that was interesting. And I feel like the movie explored that. And but um, he, I also didn't think in terms of like the, and maybe they didn't want to focus too much on like, technological things that would lose people. And I think they did kind of a good job of talking about the different products, but making it interesting to someone who's not really into that. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, I didn't walk away knowing, besides that he's the one who led the orchestra, which they like talked about <laughs> that. But I didn't really know like why Steve Jobs is so great yeah. from that movie. Yeah. If this had actually just been a movie about a guy and his troubled relationship with his daughter and her mother... That'd and be, I think yeah. they did a great job. Yeah, it's it's but true. And nothing of, to do with Apple yeah, or Steve in Jobs. In terms or... of telling us like why we should care about Steve Jobs, they really did not succeed. Yeah. I think my favorite parts of the movie were like some of the the conversations that he had with Wozniaki and Scully where he he both like he was both really difficult but also kind of charming and lovable at the same time and I thought that I liked that and I thought that Fassbender did a really good job of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, to be fair, it drives me crazy when people do the reverse. Like when people glorify past uh, famous people, you know, like Martin Luther King is a great example. If he mm-hmm. did these amazing things, he was also a womanizer. And like, if you choose to completely ignore the negative things that somebody did, it, it, it doesn't, it's, it's, that doesn't seem balanced either. So it wasn't that I wanted them to ignore all of these things. Um, yeah. But it, yeah, and, and, and to well, be fair, go ahead. Steve Jobs had so many people who really, really loved him, like people who like knew him personally, who were friends, co-workers, mm-hmm. his family. So obviously he had not just a few redeeming qualities, he obviously was an extremely lovable person. And you didn't get a lot of that. Yeah, and you didn't get that mm-hmm. at all. Um, and, and I do think, you're right, It's not. it wasn't so much the tech. Like, because part of what did make him interesting was the person that he was, not just the tech that he created. He was a very paradoxical person he was a very like he was a really complicated person and exploring that i think is an interesting topic for a film um Mm -hmm. but i didn't feel like they explored that in a balanced way to me even like the relationships that were in the film like jobs and wozniak like why they just didn't show why they actually cared he was always like oh i'll give you a pass and like Woz was always like you know, kind of mad at each of these times at Steve, but also there was obviously supposed to be this great, like, deep connection. Mm -hmm. They never, like, really made that believable at all. Mm -hmm. So to to change the subject slightly, how do you think this affects Apple, like Apple of today? Is there, do you think this has, I can't imagine it's, maybe it'd have a positive effect. Does this have a positive effect, a negative effect, or is Apple bigger than this movie and it just doesn't matter? I think it doesn't matter. Yeah, I also don't think it really matters. I mean, I think that Steve Jobs already has a reputation and it didn't it didn't like change that much what people think of him, I think. No. I mean, is it how's it doing in the theaters? Oh, it's doing terribly, by the way. It was well re- re- reviewed. So it got great reviews from critics, but people aren't seeing it, which probably doesn't 
I'm just laughing right, because usually I enjoy movies that get panned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I thought was kind of fun about the movie is also it was a bit of a period piece. Like you're like what it was like in the 80s yeah. and what was cutting edge then. And uh-huh. that was, I thought, I thought they did that well. Absolutely. And even just like the outfits. And yeah. The- yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think, I don't think it completely, I don't think Apple completely escapes this one. I think that hmm. Apple has built their brand. Like Apple sells their products in part because of the brand that they are. In part because they're Apple and they're cool and people have, they have a lot of brand equity and that brand equity to a large extent was built by Steve Jobs and all of these little stories that chip away at like the, the mystique that he had, uh, I think it doesn't help. I, I, I don't think it's like, oh, well, Apple's going to go bankrupt now. Nobody's going to buy an iPhone. But it doesn't help. And over time, it chips away at that brand ac- equity that Apple relies on so much. You know, I'm not sure actually that I fully agree because I'm a latecomer to Apple, mm-hmm. basically. And like what really draws me is, I mean, Steve Jobs is interesting, but ultimately not important to my decision to use Apple products. I'm just really interested in my user experience. and And I feel like... It's getting to the point where, I mean, like, I doubt my kids even know who Steve Jobs is. Yeah, certainly they're mm-hmm. not buying, they're choosing their devices but based they want on Steve iPhones. Jobs. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's becoming less and less relevant. And I think the, the old school Apple fans, they're not going to be swayed. Like, like mm-hmm. I'm a Steve Jobs fan till the day I die. Like, I, I've read, like, all the movies. <laughs> At least I've read all the books. That yeah, you're like an Apple fanboy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the first step is admitting you have a problem, Sarah. <laughs> um, and so I think the old school Apple fans aren't going to be swayed. The people that always hated Apple and always hated Steve Jobs, they didn't need any more ammunition. This isn't like a big ammunition point on them. There are some people, like one of the people in our office I was walking today, and he's like, oh, I didn't know anything about Steve Jobs. I didn't know he was an asshole. You know, <laughs> and so there will be some people who are a little bit. But yeah, I think for the most part... He probably would still, I didn't ask him, but I would imagine he'd go buy an iPhone anyway, so. Yeah, I don't care if the person who originally sort of brought that to the world was a nice person or not. I care how well it works. Yeah, but there, Apple does have that mystique in part because of him. Of all the companies, I think he Apple's defined by their founder more than almost any company I can think of. But I think it gets less important. Yeah, absolutely. All right, any other thoughts on the movie? Oh, not really. I guess I was just thinking that it it also still, it still pays tribute to Steve Jobs and that he had this artistic vision, which plays into the whole user experience of the devices that, um, and I mean, it's something that it also had a bit of a negative spin on it, the whole end-to-end control, Mm -hmm. but, um, and like the advertisements that didn't even show a device from the 80s and all that, that I just think, I think there's still... In a way, it still builds up Steve Jobs as this iconic figure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, I kind of, I think it's like cars. You used to, like, get a box of tools when you bought a car, right? And you were expected to, like, maintain that thing with those tools. Mm. I mean, these days you open it up, it's like you just see the cover of the, like, computer that's powering your car. And I'm fine with that. I don't (laughs) want to mess with tools. And I kind of feel like that about, like... I, I feel like it's so much work to really make an Android phone work and you have to do so much research because you can't always trust the apps and they're not always compatible. And mm. and, and I, I don't want tools to mess with the computer that's controlling my phone. I just want it to work just like my car does. I mean, I think you look at you look at Microsoft in the direction that they've gone with end-to-end integration with their Surface and um, their Surface Book and all that. And mm. I think it's hard to deny that Apple is winning that that fight in terms of end-to-end integration is winning out. Yeah, and yeah, that, that's been a huge influence for other companies too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, it definitely, certainly it did still paint him as a genius, as an icon. I don't think you left thinking, wow, what an idiot. You just left <laughs> thinking maybe he should have been a little nicer to his daughter. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like they were trying to sort of show this is like a sort of sample of the kind of human being he, he was and this is how we're going to show it to you but the thing is i feel like for a lot of people a father rejecting his child strikes like a much deeper chord than that it's a nerve yeah it's too touchy a thing to use as a sort of like general example of the kind of person yeah exactly i agree the other thing that did nag at me a little bit in um 
was it wasn't the most historically accurate. There were mm-hmm. definitely pieces in there where like they just didn't quite get it right. And we talked about it at one like at one point they like failed to mention like they're like kind of trashing him for rejecting his daughter and they failed to mention that he was like married with three kids and for, for all practical purposes seemed to be like mm-hmm. a loving family man in that regard. And uh, but Lisa went to live with him. Lisa, too. yeah, Lisa lived with him yeah, in they, high school. They showed her ask him if she could live with him and he didn't answer. And then they, I mean, yeah. I feel like that that's kind of like slanting things Yeah, they the slanted way. a little bit. The but implication made it, to me, I didn't walk away thinking, oh, then she went yeah. and lived with him. I didn't, I didn't realize until David told me after yeah, the movie. Yeah, but even also some of the tech stuff. Like, they made it seem like he deliberately set up Next to get purchased by Apple. And by all yeah. accounts that I read, it didn't sound like that's what happened at no, all. No, I don't think they, he basically said, I intended to do this thing, and then it didn't work, and I realized I could do this other thing. Instead. Yeah, but it, it, the I realized part... He, he, they made it seem like it was all like at some point he decided my strategy is now to get purchased by Apple. Apple sounded like it was something that just kind of fell in his lap, and maybe he did have that plan, but it certainly wasn't something that was in either of the books. That this not like a multi-year like yeah. really conniving plan. Yeah, and so yeah, I yeah exactly, and so it wasn't the most historically accurate. But and you had to wonder with the way they set it up, like if all of those things. I mean, I think we can assume all those things did not happen yeah. 30 minutes before an announcement. <laughs> I know, I kept being be like, like... Having all well, these heart-to-hearts with everybody right before he's yeah. announcing that's yeah. why That's what a play is like, because you have to choose. I mean, it's yeah. such a limited medium, and that's why it was a little annoying that they didn't take advantage of the possibilities that a movie gives you, mm-hmm. even if they wanted to differentiate themselves from like all the other biopics. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, All right. Well, I think that's our show for today. Um, Let us know what you thought of the movie or any other comments. Send us an email at podcast at iphonelife.com. We're going to link to everything that we discussed here, all the products, at iphonelife.com slash podcast. Uh, Go if you are enjoying this podcast. Please go subscribe. And thanks to all of you that have already subscribed. And make sure you review us. Yes, please leave us a nice review. If you don't like it, you don't need to review. But if you like it, (laughs) (laughs) leave us a nice review. Um, So you can do that. We'll have a link to iphonelife.com slash podcast where you can uh, also download the podcast, subscribe. Uh, Finally, iphonelife.com slash daily tips. Uh, Donna grabbed her Kit Kat, so I think she's ready to go. <laughs> Our office is a wash in Halloween candy, and we need to it's go true. now and eat it. So. It's a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> it's been fun, guys, but we have important things to do. <laughs> There's still some Milky Ways out there. So. Ooh, okay. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> All right, bye.